do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Gabby. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode number 365, which is the same amount of days in the year. That's so coincidental. Isn't it, though? Mm-hmm. I just realized that myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have to research it. It just came to me. Uh, on today's show, this beep noise. Ah. Is that okay? Not I again. noticed uh, I did the backup last week and I forgot to level it and it was really loud. It's loud even when we're taping it. It makes my ears hurt. So for you listeners who heard our uh, thing uh, last week and I did the backup sound, it was too loud in your ears, my apologies. Mm. On today's show, uh, we're going to talk about a TED Talk that we both listened to or watched uh, by a woman named Megan Phelps Roper. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also... So, but before you say that, really what we're going to talk about is why retaliation and anger for anger doesn't work. That's really what the core of what it is. What did Gandhi say? An eye for an eye will leave the whole world blind? Correct. Like and we seem to know this and we say it and we have this knowledge, yet we struggle practicing this. Yes. That's true. So we're going to help you practice it Correct. and execute it. Execution. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what they say, execution is the key to living life successfully. Splendidly. My mom used to say cooperation oh, is the key that's what I thought. to living life successfully. Like so this is, um, why listen to Zen Parenting already? Because it will help you feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Before we get into the guts of the show, um, there was a video that you shared on our Facebook page last week that uh-huh. made you laugh really hard. Can you explain which one that was? I don't remember. The BBC guy. Oh, <laughs> the dad? Yes. Well, I I shared it, but so did the rest of the world. Like, right. It was a viral video. It was a viral video. I'm sure everybody saw it. It's the dad who's being interviewed on the BBC about, I think he was being interviewed about something about North Korea. Yeah, like it was something pretty, very serious. It was pretty serious. And while he was, you know, being Skyped in on the BBC, his his daughters, I think it was two little girls, came like marching in the room. First one was like a four-year-old maybe? Oh my gosh, she was so cute. She's the one that made me laugh yeah. because she just came like, I, you guys can't see me, but she just came like marching in and yeah. it just reminded me so much of... And the guy Our was life. in a sport coat and tie, and he was being uh, interviewed on BBC with the video and everything. So basically, he's talking about live TV, North Korea, mm-hmm. and then you have this four-year-old walk in, and then right after the four-year-old walks in, a baby comes like wheeling in, yeah, on the little stroller <laughs> wheelie walking <laughs> on her little walker. Thing. It's it is. Beautiful classic TV. And again, then either the mother or some, I've been hearing that it's the nanny, but I don't really know. Um, she came in and got the kids and like was like on the floor, like commando style, trying yeah. to get the covertly door so we wouldn't see, but all <laughs> eyes are focused on this. And then the dad was actually shooing away the daughter yeah, yeah. with his hand. Yeah. And you might, I might get myself into trouble here, but I thought that was interesting that. There's many people that decided to view the video and then... Be critical. Be critical. I was going to say pass judgment, but just say be critical. Like, did the dad really have to shoo away the kid? Right. And all I got to say is, 
And it wasn't like, it's not like he hit the kid, no, but no. he was shooing him away with his hand while trying to talk about North Korea. To the world. I would have done the same thing that this dad did. Right. That's all I got to say. And, you know, there were comments saying, why did he have to be so, like, why did he have to be so harsh to that young girl, his daughter? And it's because she broke into a room she wasn't supposed to break into. Well, she may not have known that. No, like, she, it wasn't her fault. The way that you're saying that, though, Taz, you're sounding as if she did something wrong. No, not no, at all. she didn't. But what you're trying to do is get through a situation. Right. That's what I want to focus on. It's not about she did something wrong, no. therefore he does something. She didn't it's do anything that wrong. she did nothing wrong, and he was trying to get through the interview. Yeah. So he's kind of like, hold on, hold on. And here's the thing. The reason that I, I posted it first thing that morning, because it was so funny for you and I, because you and I have been on both sides of that. Yeah. I remember doing an interview down here um, for WGN. I was, uh, do you remember when John Cass um, from the Tribune totally went after me because there was an article about me in the Tribune um, doing parent coaching? Yep. And John Cass then did an article about how stupid parent coaching was. So Spike O'Dell, totally aging myself here because he hasn't been on WGN for a long time, but Spike O'Dell's people called me and said, will you go on the air with John Cass? And like go back and forth with them. So, okay, you know, that's nerve wracking. And I knew that I was kind of putting myself in this situation. So I came downstairs to do it. Yeah. And while I was in the middle of it, one of our children started walking downstairs. There you go. Now, you can say, well, it's no big deal, or just let her come sit with you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The tension is a- so high already. Anxiety. Anxiety is so high that to be like to go to shift from mom doing an interview or excuse me, not mom, Kathy doing an interview on live radio to being a mom. That's a hard place to shift to. Right. And it doesn't mean that one's more important than the other. It means right now in this moment, I have to do this. Now, on the other side, you this happens to you a lot more than me. You're on work calls all the time. Sure. And the girls will bust in or, and I'm like running in there, you know, trying to get them right. out. Like that nanny or that mom was yes. trying to do. Like where I'm like, oh my gosh. Or, yeah. you know, the girls, you've already said, be quiet. I'm on a work call. Mm-hmm. And then the girls are making loud noises and I'm like, everybody, yeah. you know, so I've been on both sides and That's why I don't, again, because of the personal experience, I'm not really passing any judgment on this guy because there's a lot of comments even on our page, like, why didn't he just pick her up and put her on his, it, it, this is until you're in that situation, it's really, I think we should just say they did the best they could. Well, and lovingly to anybody who may have put a comment on there, whether it be on our newsfeed or somebody else's, my invitation is to loosen the grip and just chill out. Or just that, yes, we'll just let that sit, period. Period. That is your uh, way of saying it. Or just consider that they did the best they could. Right. If there was, if anyone was harmed, obviously we'd be having a different conversation, right. but anxiety is running high. So if you, I found more humor. It was hilarious. Yeah. So if you want to just uh, go to YouTube and type in children, interrupt BBC news interview, it's all over. It's been viewed, uh, you know, millions and millions of times. Yeah. So because honestly, I felt like that dad maintained his composure pretty well. Mm-hmm. Like I know that he was in his mind going, oh my gosh, yeah. like I can't believe this is happening. Um, but he was able to stay calm, yep. which is always what we, you know, <laughs> talk about and advocate for. Uh, so I, you know, we'll just, it, it was one of the best. Um, all right. So let's turn to the main topic, which is this uh, TED Talk. 
All right. So do you want to explain who Megan Phelps Roper is? I will. She is a former member of the Westboro Church and the Westboro Church, some of you- Westboro Baptist. Westboro Baptist Church. Church. And they are located in- Uh, Topeka, Kansas. Okay. So I don't want to give them too much um, exposure here because I, I, they- can be very hate-filled with their message. Um, and I'm sure many of you know who they are um, because they do a lot of picketing. Yes. That's kind of a big part of their mission or what they're preaching. So she was a member of this church, and she um, is no longer. Yep. And her TED Talk is about why she chose to leave. Um, and her family is still in the church, mm-hmm. you know, which is very interesting. Um, she on her own, like, you know, as a 20 something woman said, this is not really where I want to be. Now, the reason that the TED talk to Todd and I was so valuable and inspiring. And also I learned a lot was because of why she chose to leave. And it was because you guys are going to flip out when you hear this because of people on Twitter Crazy, who right? contacted her. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how far you want me to go. No, um, um, just, yeah, I think you're on the right track. Okay. And, and what, and that was the, the gist of it is how the I beginning. got to be um, somebody who's no longer in this church that is uh, yeah, so let's. Uh, what I liked about it is that this lady gave, you know, because I'm a bullet point type of guy, she gave us four things that I'm going to play the clips from, if you're okay with that. Yes, I, absolutely. Of uh, how we could um, listen to somebody who has differing beliefs. And especially the fact that's, that these people were on Twitter and they were able to say things to her. How many characters is on are on Twitter? 140 or something like know. that? Like they were able to start a conversation with her through social networking, which is typically not the way we start to like bond with people. Right. That often it can be really conflictual and that they started this conversation it started to shift her beliefs. So and so just for clarif- clarification, this woman who gave this TED Talk used to be one of the picketers and she used to yeah. be on TV and is interviewed about these other ideas, right? Mm-hmm, right. So do you want me to play the, the the first clip of the four clips that I have here? Yes. So just like Todd said, there are four. So she kind of talks about her experience and then narrows it down to four things that she learned about how someone can create change. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the first one. I thought about it a lot over the past few years and I found four things they did differently that made real conversation possible. These four steps were small but powerful, and I do everything I can to employ them in difficult conversations today. The first is, don't assume bad intent. My friends on Twitter realized that even when my words were aggressive and offensive, I sincerely believed I was doing the right thing. Assuming ill motives almost instantly cuts us off from truly understanding why someone does and believes as they do. We forget that they're a human being with a lifetime of experience that shaped their mind, and we get stuck on that first wave of anger, and the conversation has a very hard time ever moving beyond it. But when we assume good or neutral intent, we give our minds a much stronger framework for dialogue. Good or neutral intent. And doesn't that make so much sense? Like a lot of times we look because obviously this can I I when I listened to this I was thinking political right. okay um, about divisiveness and I was thinking about when we are talking about you know another side of the aisle first of all we do the us them thing yeah we say you know we have good intent they have bad intent do you really believe that like I, I you know my friends who uh, you know 
have a different political viewpoint than I do, love their kids, yep. you know, love their community, want pe- you know, want to do well. They just have a different viewpoint about how that happens. Now, I can fully disagree with their viewpoint, but to believe that their intention is because they want to harm people. That's where we get into trouble. Right. It's uh, it's. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Yeah. But beginning with the end in mind, most people, whether where they sit on the political divide or whatever, right. want what's best for the country. Correct. Now, how do we get there? That's right. where we disagree. Right. But the result is, let's make sure that this country's great and helps. And then let's take it to like a relationship. Right. Okay. You know, again, we, Todd and I love to do the macro micro. So in your relationship with your partner, so your partner, maybe that day said they were going to do something or call you or text you or pick up something and they forgot Hmm. our first, you know, instinct, or it may not even be instinctual. Our first thought pattern is reaction is, I can't believe they did that to me. You know, they 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 had ill intent. Yeah. They were doing that to harm me or hurt me or can you believe they would hurt me that way? And so we also have to take her message as how we can react to our partner or our kids is do they really have ill intent or did something did they not have their phone or were they in a meeting like Todd travels all the time and sometimes I text him and want an answer right away, you know, as we all do, right? And sometimes I have to remember that he's in meetings all day. Awesome meetings. Awesome meetings. And that he or is in the car. And I don't want you texting me from your car. Right. Um, And that it's not all about me. That there's times when he is doing his own thing and I need to be patient and not think the world revolves around my needs being met. Right. So – these are, you know, this first one about what did she call it? Don't again? assume bad intent. Yeah, just catching ourselves in that thought pattern, where we can at least conceptualize that there may be other reasons yeah. that they may have another rationale. Uh, the second one, you ready? Mm-hmm. The second is ask questions. When we engage people across ideological divides, asking questions helps us map the disconnect between our differing points of view. That's important because we can't present effective arguments if we don't understand where the other side is actually coming from, and because it gives them an opportunity to point out flaws in our positions. But asking questions serves another purpose. It signals to someone that they're being heard. When my friends on Twitter stopped accusing and started asking questions, I almost automatically mirrored them. Their questions gave me room to speak, but they also gave me permission to ask them questions and to truly hear their responses. It fundamentally changed the dynamic of our conversation. The third is stay. Oh, third. Yeah. Um, so, focusing on the second one with you know asking questions. So. This is so big, macro and micro, meaning when you are talking with someone who seems to have a different perspective, again, what's the Stephen Covey thing? Uh, Which one? Seek first to understand. Then to be understood. So when someone is sharing something with you that doesn't maybe jive with your worldview, the first step is not defense and attack. The first step is tell me more. Yeah. Explain to me so I understand. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. On a parenting level, I got an email from someone last night 
who had a question about her daughter. And she was basically saying that, um, you know, she was concerned about some choices that her daughter was making and that she was, you know, possibly going down the wrong road. And what was she going to do? And, you know, when her daughter acts a certain way, she feels like she's losing control. And, you know, my response to that and any kind of you know, question that's like that is, have you asked her? Mm -hmm. Have you stopped? And instead of telling her why she's doing everything wrong, have you said, tell me what's happening? Like, what are, what are you experiencing? Let me put down my need to be right for a second and just listen, because that allow, again, what Megan said is as soon as they did that, she lowered her defenses. And we have talked about on this show before, that's called complementary behavior. Or depending on who's starting, non-complementary behavior. Complementary behavior means that we mimic the behavior that people are giving to us. Right. So if there's two people that are fighting and want to be heard and want to get their point across, complementary behavior would be for them continuing to tell each other why they're right and the other person is wrong. Non-complementary behavior is when you do the opposite. Right. So instead of telling somebody your child because they forgot to do something and tell them why they're wrong, ask them, you know, not in a, not, not in a belittling way, but help me understand or how did you get to that decision or how did you get there and create some space for them to kind of speak their piece because then they will be more likely to give you the space for you to speak your piece. Exactly. If you come after them, if they are coming at you with their own anxiety and you come after them with your anxiety, which is again, like Todd said, complimentary because you're just doing the exact, the word can be difficult to wrap your head around because complimentary sounds positive, Mm -hmm. but oftentimes it's not because you're just reacting the same way they're reacting. But if you, if they're bringing anxiety and you can bring calm, we've been talking about this since day one on Zen Parenting. If you want calm, bring calm, because then they will reflect that back. So the time to uh, display complimentary behavior is when you are getting something that you want. Yes. When it's something kind or lovingly or positive or whatever it is. The time to display non-complimentary behavior is when it's the opposite, when you are in a fight and you can't get out of it. Like there's sometimes when I'm coaching clients, I, you know, somebody, you know, buddy of mine will go back home for the holidays and he knows that it's going to end badly. My advice sometimes is do the opposite of what you think you should do. Right. That would be another form of not. Now you got to have thoughtfulness with that, but sometimes that works because you're in a pattern and you keep repeating the same pattern over and over. So sometimes doing the opposite will actually get you a different and more positive result. You pull a Costanza. That's right. He used to get tuna salad right. on white. That's right. But then he got chicken salad Did we on play rye. that on the show? Yes, we did. And you know what? I'm not quite sure. That's the sandwich order that he changed. You know, like, and, and that's just kind of a joke, you know, but that was, that was George's whole methodology is the way that I've been doing things is not working. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try a different way. Right. And that is exactly what we're talking about here is if you find that arguments are getting blown up because you are bringing exactly what's being brought to you, maybe try something different. Should I play the Costanza thing or no? Only if you want to. Every instinct I have in every aspect of life, be it something to wear, something to eat, it's often wrong. (laughs) Tuna, toast, coleslaw, cup of coffee. Yeah. No, 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 wait a minute. I always have tuna on toast. Nothing's ever worked out for me with tuna on toast. (laughs) I want the complete opposite of tuna on toast. 
chicken salad on rye, <laughs> untoasted, with a side of potato salad and a cup of tea. <laughs> Is that good? Yes, that's plenty. I th- I got the sandwich right, yeah, FYI. Um, I can't believe that. Um, but nice anyway, job, sweetie. That is the, you know, it's just bringing what, if you want something, I mean, again, we are so repetitious about this. If you are asking the world to be something, you need to be it first. You can't go out there and point at the world and say the world should be kind and the world should be loving and people should be honest and people shouldn't break laws if you are. My my example of this, and I've shared it on the show, and it's a micro example. It was at a time when I wasn't doing much to help out around the house and blah, blah, blah. And instead of you griping at me and complaining of how I wasn't showing up, you recognize the one thing that I was doing consistently, which yeah. was taking out the garbage I mean, I'm sure I did a few other things, but I was not pulling my weight. Let's just say that. And you ended up thanking me for taking out the garbage. And that created a micro shift in the connection between the two of us. And all of a sudden, it didn't solve all our problems in that instant. It was a shift. It put us on a different path. And it it opened the door to recognizing that then Todd had space to do that back Mm -hmm. because really what I was looking for was gratitude, right? So if you want gratitude, you have to give gratitude. And so many people are so stuck or as Todd will say, below the line that they'll say, well, I have nothing to be grateful for. You know, he or she does nothing. And that's not true. There are things I was telling Todd that, um, and maybe we'll talk about this more deeply on a different show, but that I was listening to a, uh, a podcast, and I think it was Jonathan Fields, a Good Life po- uh, Project, and a woman named Tiffany Dufoe, I think, wrote a book where she talked about kind of the, you know, what we talk about on this show about that back and forth in the home and who's the CEO, and and she really felt like she was doing everything. Yeah. Okay. And she was like, I do everything, you know, I work and he works, but yet I'm doing everything. The story we hear a lot, right? And so she said, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to come home and I'm going to basically write down everything I do so he can see, you know, this is her husband, it's the he, what I am doing. And so she did and she brought the list and it was long. I mean, she's she was right. But then he said, okay, he was totally, he, he was calm and he said, okay, here's the things, here's my list. Yeah. Here's the things that I'm doing. She didn't even recognize right. the things he was doing. He was like, you know, I take care of all the cars. I'm, you know, handling all the outside of the house. I'm handling all the appointments and all the vacations. I'm handling, and she hadn't even a card to her because she was never doing them. So she thought they were just things that got done. Right, and that's that's where we have to recognize is again, it may be in. Out of balance. Yeah. There if you are out of balance, that still necessitates a conversation. I'm not saying, oh, they're doing enough. Obviously, you need to you you want to bring balance, but to say they don't do anything, it may not be fair. Uh ready for number three? Yes. Here we go. The third is stay calm. This takes practice and patience, but it's powerful. At Westboro, I learned not to care how my manner of speaking affected others. I thought my rightness justified my rudeness. Harsh tones, raised voices, insults, interruptions. But that strategy is ultimately counterproductive. Dialing up the volume and the snark is natural in stressful situations, but it tends to bring the conversation to an unsatisfactory, explosive end. When my husband was still just an anonymous Twitter acquaintance, our discussions frequently became hard and pointed, but he always refused to escalate. Instead, he would change the subject, 
He would tell a joke or recommend a book or gently excuse himself from the conversation. We knew the discussion wasn't over; just paused for a time to bring us back to an even keel. People often lament that digital communication makes us less civil, but this is one advantage that online conversations have over in-person ones. We have a buffer of time and space between us and the people whose ideas we find so frustrating. All right, close enough. Yeah.、Um, so I liked it when she said, "My rightness justifies my wrong."、Uh, what did she say? My ru-、uh, rudeness. Rudeness. I I wrote the exact same thing down. Rightness. We have this belief that our rightness. Justifies our rudeness,、right. and that needs to be questioned.、Right. Is you may feel justified, you may feel again righteous.、Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like I know this is the right thing to do. This is what's good for people. This is, but if you are conveying that message in rudeness or negativity or anger or rage, it, it's. It doesn't translate.、Yeah. It doesn't. Your what you're doing that you're saying is so right is not the message is getting lost. When you're putting them on the defensive automatically, right? Like whenever I'm disagreeing with somebody, I try to find whatever thing we have in common first. And what that does is that gives somebody the permission or the ability to put down their shield or or, or you know not be so ready for a fight. Yeah. So that's you know even mo. You know, most everybody who I might have a disagreement with, I can usually find something that we have in common. Correct.、Um, so that's kind of how I would always want to start something like that. And you know, I think she's going to get into this with the fourth point. So I'll just say this on the very surface level: at the conference that we had a couple weeks ago, one of Todd and my points, like one of the things we really wanted to drive home, was the concept of love louder.、Mm-hmm. Here's the thing: is you. Feel right about what you're saying, and you can have all you have all sorts of information and research and experience to justify why you feel a certain way. If you want that message to get across, you can still speak it. In no way are we saying, "Oh, just you know, pipe down and don't talk about it." Speak it, but speak it in a way that can be heard. Love louder. That means it doesn't just mean get louder. It means love louder. Be you know, people who are hate filled have no problem being loud. Yeah, that's all they do is they're loud and they scream, and then we point a camera and put a microphone in their mouth or you know close to their mouth, and then that's what everybody hears. We need to start hearing from rational, calm, respectful people, and they're out there. Like I'm not saying where are they? I've heard them, I see them, I know them. But that's where we need to get louder with that kind of tone. Ready for number four? Yes. And then this one is interesting because I agree with her, but I have an opposing viewpoint at、okay. the same time, which、right. is interesting. And then come back to it when we're ready. And finally, make the argument. This might seem obvious, but one side effect of having strong beliefs is that we sometimes assume that the value of our position is or should be obvious and self-evident. That we shouldn't have to defend our positions because they're so clearly right and good. That if someone doesn't get it, it's their problem. That it's not my job to educate them. But if it were that simple, we would all see things the same way. As kind as my friends on Twitter were, if they hadn't actually made their arguments, it would have been so much harder for me to see the world in a different way. We are all a product of our upbringing, and our beliefs reflect our experiences. We can't expect others to spontaneously change their own minds. If we want change, we have to make the case for it. 
Okay. Great. I love that one. I love it too. And I think what she said is self-explanatory. So I don't think I can um, talk about it with any more clarity than she just did. Okay. Basically what she was saying is you got to make your point. Correct. Right? So, but here's my thing. And I've been, you know, we've talked about this idea on the show in the past is, but there are other, I think this is all true if you can do it, do it from an above the line standpoint. Correct. A place of openness and a a commitment to learning and all that. But if you're going to come at it from a below the line standpoint, my, uh, my justification for that and below the line is when you just want to win, there are certain things that you believe to be true. And the question is, why do you always have to prove that your way is the right way? For example, if I were going to argue with you, sweetie, that two plus two equals five, how much energy and resources would you take in convincing me why I was wrong? Like it's a very mathematical fact that two plus two equals four, but I'm not here to tell you, but I'm here to say, no, two plus two equals five. So, uh, but there's some, sometimes we just want to be right so badly. And the question we have to ask ourselves, why do we want to be right so badly? If it's something that I believe to be true, why do I have to convince everybody else that same truthfulness? Well, I think the reason she has this one be fourth is mm-hmm. so she can set up the first three and and explain that, first of all, you have to be coming from a loving place mm-hmm. and you have to be self-aware enough to understand why you're making your point. So I think she does a good job putting these in a certain order for that reason. I think the other thing that's really important is you can, it is really important for people to be able to say what they feel and think. Sure. And that Part of having a a conversation is making sure that both parties are heard. So I I know because I argue and talk with you a lot, I know exactly that both of us always are able to say what we need to say um, and that your point is really why do you need to win? But I don't think that's what she's saying. I think she's saying make your point so you can be heard because if you can't make your point and you can't be heard, then you're just going to go after them because all that energy of I need to say what I need to say, you're not listening to me, I'm angry. So you make your point and then you step away from this is you know a little buddhism here you step away from the outcome mm-hmm. of what that means you know um i've mentioned to you guys before that i'm still in conversation with a few friends who um think differently than i do politically and i think we've done a wonderful job over the course of 4 months continuing this conversation and the thing about make your argument make your point is what i find that i say to these two friends is Things like, here's my personal experience with this. So when they're talking about maybe like something like immigration or people who are Latino or how they think, they're getting that from a news article. And I'm saying all my students are having an experience with worrying about deportation or – when I, as a social worker, I worked with girls and women and, you know, and actually this wasn't even as a social worker, when I was – giving birth to Skylar and I was at the hospital, the girl who was in the room next to me was 12 years old having a baby. And how did that happen? And why did that happen? And that's a real experience that I had and that that girl had. So I can speak to that rather than talk about you know, why sex ed is important and why, you know, look at statistics. That's like separate from the human experience. Mm -hmm. And what I find myself making an argument about with people, not just these two, but with anybody is here's my personal experience with this. So you have all, like you were saying, you have all your rationale based on, you know, um, 
all of your statistics and all of your research and academic, but here's my personal experience, which should be weighted just as much. Sure. Or to me, obviously, I think it's weighted more. Right. But that, I'm trying to bring that in. So when Megan's talking about make your argument, I think she's saying, tell me what your experience is right. so I can hear differently. And I think it's important that you then... Because like what you just said is then back away from it. Because Correct. I think what we do is we get uh, confused and we have a need to win the argument. And that's where my two plus two example comes in. If you truly do think something and you believe in it, then it really shouldn't be that important that you convince somebody else. Right. You can make your point and then you step away. But I think what happens is we make our point and then the person doesn't see it the way we do it. So then we keep trying to convince themselves. And my thing is sometimes when you're trying to convince someone other of a belief system, it's possible that you're looking in the mirror and there's maybe part of you, there's part of me that might believe a little bit in what the other person is thinking. Do you know what I mean? I absolutely do. And that's a hard idea that to convey. I don't well, know if it's coming through. How about we differentiate between these two things so it makes yeah. sense? Make your argument versus win the argument. Right. Those are she's two, saying make the make argument. Make the argument. What she's saying is, okay, you've got my attention. You listened to me. You asked questions. You didn't come after me with anger. You respected my humanity. Now make your argument so right. I can hear. Most people, I don't know about you guys, but when someone is telling me something that maybe is difficult to hear or something that is radically, it's like altering the way I look at the world, I don't instantaneously go, oh, now I've changed. Mm -hmm. You need to sit on that information for a while. And so when, when I'm having a discussion with you or with anybody else for that matter, I may need to go home and talk about it and think about it. And then it opens my mind. So in that moment, we might not quote unquote win the argument, but we were able to A, speak our own truth, which is important, and B, offer something to that conversation. Well, and I think what is important personally, the what I get out of this is because sometimes I just believe I'm right and I don't even want to engage with anybody and that you can equate that to complacency. Uh -huh. And then all of a sudden you are, because of your lack of willingness to stand up, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, unless you're standing up, how, how are people going to be able to see the way you view the world? Right. And that's something that I'm kind of calling myself out. And some, sometimes I'm just like, I know what I believe and I'm not here to convince anybody of anything. And what she's saying is if you could do it from the right place, you at least need to get your point across. And I think that's our responsibility as right. human beings. I think that the the probably the greatest risk that we run right now in our families, in our country, in our world is apathy and indifference. Mm -hmm. Because if we start to get apathetic and indifferent to what we're experiencing in our own home, in our communities, in our world, then we've got a problem. Yeah. So the question is, how do I stand up and speak and still have a sense of integrity and you know alignment in myself and respect for myself and also make sure I respect the person and people that I am talking to? Right. I And again, when I say this, I don't mean this is always easy for me, but what I mean is I don't... I, I'm just going to say overall, I don't think it's that hard. Yeah. I think we can do this. I, I listen to her and I think, okay, you know, that's what we're trying to talk about on this show. That's what we're trying to practice in our own homes, in our partnership with our kids, in the world. We have the capacity to do this. And so people who say things to you know, to me like, well, I can't help it. I just yell at my kids or I can't help it. I just need to yell at these people or swear at them. You can help it. Right. It's not easy, but it is doable.
You just have to make a different choice. You got to go chicken salad. You know, you got to say tuna salad isn't working. So I'm going to go chicken salad and see how that works. And when I say work, to Todd's point, it doesn't mean then everybody agrees with me. It means I kept the peace. One thing that I wanted to bring into this conversation was the fact that, you know, Todd and I decided to talk about this yesterday, this uh, TED Talk. And then this morning um, on my way to yoga, I was listening to Rob Bell's podcast. And those of you who are at our conference know who Rob Bell is. He's amazing. And he was talking today about the lie of redemptive violence. Mm -hmm. And the lie of redemptive violence is that idea, like just, you know, I'll use his example because it made me laugh. He's like, yeah, I was watching the movie Jack Reacher with Tom Cruise. And, you know, the whole basis of the movie is bad guys do something to good guy. So good guy retaliates on bad guy. And then bad guy retaliates even more on good guy. And it's this like back and forth of violence and negativity. And then he's like, and then I watched, you know, John Wick. And John Wick is about bad guy does something to good guy. And then good guy is violent to bad guy. And it's just constant cycle it's and the reason he was using movies which todd and i like to do too is this is the story of our culture every movie is about you did something bad to me so i'm going to do something bad to you revenge revenge and we don't question it because we're we become so righteous about we're right you know that we don't even question is anything being resolved here right. are we making anything better or are we perpetuating perpetuating violence with violence you know are we just saying well you did something bad well then i'm going to hurt you hurt someone i'm going to hurt you this it that cycle c- does not change anything right got to break the pattern exactly this idea of retaliation so uh, sometimes when i come across something that i think is profound i save it into a document on my google drive and this is the two plus two thing and and sorry to keep going back after it but i don't feel like i'm explaining it as well and maybe you can help me with this it says what you think is right does not need to be defended if two plus two equals four somebody's arguing against it or are you really going to tell them why they're wrong so that's just kind of my notes but if you think it's right, it doesn't need to be defended. Do you know what I mean? I do, but again, it doesn't mean it doesn't need to be spoken. Said. It depends how you're speaking it. Because there's all sorts of things I believe, and and I share them on the show or in my writing. I'm not saying now that I've said it, everyone needs to believe it. Mm-hmm. I'm saying I'm offering you something from my heart. Yeah. This is from my heart, and some of it may resonate, some of it doesn't. Like Todd and I know that not everything we say that every every single person listening agrees with, we know that's not true because we get emails. Sure. But uh, that's okay. Like that isn't my intention. The intention is sharing of my own heart, and I'm using that word. I'm not trying to be cheesy. I'm not really sharing of my, my mind. I'm trying to share my feelings. And so, Todd, to your point defended you've somehow connected defended with standing up stand well you um i think what she's basically asking and i and i'm i'm kind of processing through this with you as i think about it i think what she's saying is stand up right say what you believe correct but don't get into um attaching that there that 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 what you believe has to be then persuaded to what you're talking to the other person about. 
because that, and that's it right there is that the thing the other thing that Megan said in her TED talk is everybody comes from different life experiences and different beliefs. Yes. So they have their own life experience that has taught them a certain way that works. They've been living a story or they've been given a story that makes them conceptualize the world in a certain way. So us coming along with our, you know, great information isn't going to shift that worldview immediately. Right. But for us to stay healthy and to keep the world healthy, we have to be at least willing to speak the way we experience. Like if I hadn't at 22 heard Marianne Williamson say certain things that shifted my worldview, I would not be doing what I'm doing now. Right. And if she had said, oh, I don't need to defend this, right. I'm just going to think it mm-hmm. or feel it. The fact that she said it Open the door for me to look at the world and differently. And she didn't say it. She didn't want to convince you no, of anything. No. She wrote a book and invited you to yes. take something from it. She didn't say, Kathy, if you don't believe this, then you're wrong. Right. She said, Kathy, here's how I see it. What do you think? And that's, you know, that is maybe the lesson that we can pull from this conversation yes. is throw your belief out there and then just let it go. And and. And then there's health on both sides, because if you don't throw your belief out there, you are stifled. Mm -hmm. See, this is what a lot of, and I'm going to speak very generally here, but because I work with so many women, women sometimes sacrifice their voice because they don't want to rock the boat and because they don't want to create a problem and because they don't want to be seen as bossy or someone who thinks they know better or is better. So what they do is they sacrifice themselves and they don't speak. This is their fifth chakra. It's their communication and it gets all stifled. And then they get sick or they get angry or they retaliate or they make bad choices. And it's because they haven't been speaking what they know. Speaking what they know, here's the thing about balance and gender equality, doesn't mean that they are right about everything and men suck. It means that both voices need to be heard. So women need to speak and men need to speak. And we need to come together and hear each other. Todd, did you, I think you were asleep, but Saturday Night Live this weekend was pretty good. And one of the um, the skits was... Uh, it was like 80 and um, Scarlett Johansson saying, hey, we took Wednesday off because of day, you know, day without a woman. So we didn't get an opportunity to write this skit. But these two guys, mm-hmm. I can't remember the, the names of the two guys, but they wrote something for us. And so we're just going to, you know, be in on the skit and and we can't wait to see what it is. And basically the whole skit is the two guys talking back and forth about how things are unfair to women. And all the women from the cast were in the skit and they they just are talking about it. And they're like, yeah, you know, women experience so many things. All these women have experienced something. Can you believe that? And what the whole point of the skit is nobody's asking the women. Mm-hmm. The men are talking about mm-hmm. it. And yeah, the women are there and the men are saying good things, but the women are silenced. Yeah. And then all the whole the only quote that the women said was, Thanks for saying that. Yeah. And it's a illustration. An illustration of it's great to talk about it. Yeah. But you've got to bring women in on the conversation. And that and and I will say to women, you have to be willing to women, step up. To step up. Stand up. Don't be looking outside of yourself and saying, Well, they didn't ask me. You have to stand up too. Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Um, all right. Our two partners is uh, Jeremy Kraft, bald head of beauty from Avid Company, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800, avidco.net, and Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. She adjusts twice a month. She does an amazing job. She's helping me with my TMJ. 
Can you hear that, it's you guys? Not, it's not clicking as much. Eating with Todd is very interesting. I'm he, not supposed to chew gum. He's clicky. CairoTree.com. So that's uh, Dr. Kelly. Uh, we do have an iTunes review. Um, it says, You're My Miracle. It's from Colleen oh. Q2224 from Canada, the great country of Canada. And she says amazing things. So thank you to Colleen. What did she say? She says amazing things, but it's like seven sentences. So I don't oh, want to read okay. it all. Because I want to protect the listeners. Yeah, it's from, kind of, well, from being bored. Ah. You know, as much as I want to hear how great I am, I don't know <laughs> if they want to. Uh, but we do love these iTunes reviews. It helps uh, with our, whatever, accessibility on iTunes. So it really helps us out. So It's an algorithm. And uh, so that's that. And uh, Coaching for Guys, Todd Adams Coaching for Guys. If you're interested, uh, go to toddadamscoaching.com. You got anything you want to plug? I don't think so. Uh, just that we are working diligently, if you can believe it, already on the conference for next year. Yeah. Um, and then, I, actually, I have some, uh, for people who are local, Chicagoland, I have some speaking engagements at the Elmhurst Public Library. Um, library. Mm-hmm. Um, I said it like a You kid. can say library. Library. Um, coming up in April. I think one's on the 5th and one's on the 11th. I'm not quite sure about those dates, but if you go to zenparentingradio.com and click on events, you can register for these. Um, one, the first talk is about communication and how to connect and communicate with our kids. And the other one is how to bring peace into ourselves in the home. So, And uh, lastly, my men's group. We're meeting this Wednesday. So if you're list- if it's Tuesday, we have a few slots open. So if there's any guys out there in, the sh- in Chicago or Western suburbs, shoot me an email at todd at zenparentingradio.com. Anything else, sweetie? Just that I hope that this discussion, at least, again, we are trying to do exactly what Megan said to do, just offer this information gently, lovingly, and for consideration, not because we're right and you're wrong, but because is it something that you feel or can consider in yourself, and we will do the same. That's right. I'll say keep trucking. Yes. Adios. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks. We appreciate you, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, they are. consider leaving us a review on iTunes. We love them. This helps people find us, or you can just tell a friend about our show. Even better, word of mouth, right? Right. Todd and I, we do our speaking engagements about Zen Parenting and self-awareness, so if you have an interested group or an organization, contact us at kathy at zenparentingradio.com. We love speaking to groups. Hey. Hey now. Guess what? Next year's Zen Parenting Conference is March 2nd and 3rd, 2018. Sweet. If you want to know more about this or any of our upcoming events, go to zenparentingradio.com and click events. If you like reading awesome parenting books, read Kathy's. She's got three of them. And the way to find out about them is go to zenparentingradio.com and click on the store. Thank you. You're welcome. Award-winning, I might add. I know. So you coach guys. I love coaching guys. And you're good at it. I do it on Skype, face-to-face, and even on the phone. And we talk about uh, parenting, uh, relationships, finance, career, work-life balance. It's awesome. So first session's free. If you're interested, go to toddadamscoaching.com. Great. And if you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It won't cost you anything, I promise. Yeah. But we get a small commission from Amazon. It's just an easy way of making money. And you, you're you going to buy from Amazon anyway, so you might as well go through our homepage. All right. Right-hand side, Amazon link. Great. Great. <laughs> hey, and thanks for being such an awesome listener, you know? <laughs> What about our sponsors? Oh, yeah. Um, 
I also want to thank our two amazing partners, Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Company, Painting and Remodeling, avidco.net, and Dr. Kelly's at chirotree.com. Thank you so much for all your love and support. Keep on trucking. Sweetie, Case, say keep on trucking. Keep on trucking. I say it better. I know. That's all right. Keep trucking. Adios. <laughs>